0: Into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm your host JJ Jerez. With me, of course, Arif Dean, and the man behind the controls, Patrick Stedman, is with me. Arif, let's pull the curtain back for the people. This is take like four for us. I was having some technical difficulties, so I hope I'm sounding nice and smooth and crisp now for you.
1: It is now 7 o'clock p.m. We promised ourselves that we were going to start recording at 6. You got to take into account that I was about 6 or 7 minutes late, as I am to everything. So we were going to start at about six o seven, but no, we're about an hour behind schedule now. But we're ready to rock and roll. We're ready to talk about some preseason games that happen. We're ready to talk about preseason games that are coming up. And we're ready to talk about opening night just 10 days away here we are fired up and we are excited to get going not just with this podcast but with hockey season I love
0: it I don't know if I've ever heard you that fired let's up go. to start off a podcast right now is a really awesome time I'm in just, the sports I'm just world really
1: hungry so let's, let's <laughs> kill it. <laughs> it
0: it's it's cool right now in, in society right you got NFL going you got MLB heating up towards the playoffs you got the NHL gearing up the NBA just started their preseason you got the MLS firing on all cylinders. there's European soccer you got everything right now this is maybe the most wonderful time of the year whoever sang that one song about Christmas is is wrong it's
1: the most wonder and you know what the crazy part is this time next year we're also going to be gearing up for like a November or December World Cup in Qatar and it's really weird for me to say it like that because I usually pronounce it the Arab way but it's it's going to be such an interesting year next year but yeah let's let's talk about this year and let's talk about hockey it's an exciting time right now it's the beginning of October which According to my Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat memories, this was the day that hockey season started two years ago and three years ago for the Avs. So, you know, we know this year the season's starting a little bit later, October 13, but this is this is about the time hockey gets going.
0: Yep, yep. Ten days away from the day we're recording here. It is Sunday. So, ten days away from the Avalanche first regular season game, but in the meantime, we got two preseason games to talk about. So, let's start with the game one against Vegas in Las Vegas, right, uh, a Four to three loss for the Colorado Avalanche. But uh obviously they didn't have any guys, you know, none of the big names went to Vegas and played in this game. The biggest name that came out of it was Valerie Nichushkin, And it's good to see because going into it, you look at the list of, of guys playing for the Avalanche and you're like, all right, Valerie Nichushkin's the best player on this roster. Well, he showed it in game one of the preseason.
1: And and that's what you want from a guy like that. I mean, just just for a little bit of a background on how I look at these preseason games before we go into Nachushkin's performance, I, most of the time I'm not going to remember the score of the game. I think it was 6-4 at home and I think it was a 4-3 loss. So I got him this time. But most of the time I don't usually remember the the scores of the game, who had how many saves and what it is. But it's more individual performances, what you're looking for. So in that first game, you're looking for Valerie Nachushkin to be the best player in the game because that's what the avalanche had in the lineup was Val being the best player in the game. You're looking for somebody like Jack Johnson to see what he can do in his first game uh, under his PTO. And by the way, Jack Johnson played only 15 games last year because of an injury in March. Uh, so it's trying to make sure that he's recovered from that. And then most importantly for me was Pavel Fransuz getting back in between the pipes. So it was the individual performances for me. But to go back on the Valoran Nichushkin topic, he was absolutely the best player in the game. He showed it. Jared Bedner talked about it. And that's what you want from a guy who you know could still have another gear in him and is why the Avalanche are giving him that first crack at the top six because you need that extra forward to step in and replace Brandon Saad, step in and replace Jonas Donskoy. And you have a guy who just might be able to put in and pitch in more offensively than he has in the past.
0: Well, you remember last week when we were having the discussion about Nathan McKinnon and Gabe Landeskog, their first presser back at training camp, they did it together and they both had... Uh, it looked like they were a little bit more lean than in years past. I Obviously, I don't know because I haven't seen Val Nachushkin in person, but I get the same vibe from him just watching him skate in that first game. He looked like he had a little bit extra jump. Uh, you know, Again, I don't know if he slimmed down and, and is focusing on getting faster, but he looked faster to me. It looked like that was a focus of his on the offseason.
1: I mean, if that's what, what the focus was for his offseason, then it makes a ton of sense because this is an avalanche team where if that is not your focus, then you're going to fall behind. You're going to lose your roster spot, and you're not going to be able to play with this team because that's the system they implement. That's the system they play. They're a puck possession team. They're very hard on the forecheck. It's a five-man unit, which I love when Jared Bednar talks about the five-man unit that played defensively and the five-man unit that played offensively. But most importantly, they are fast. It's why when they go out and sign UFAs, even if they're depth forwards, they go out for somebody like Darren Helm, who's a speedy fourth-line center winger he can play at all it's why i mean it's not why but it's why jack johnson if he makes this team you better believe the first thing he's going to have to work on is his foot speed which is going to be really hard for somebody at his age but that's how you keep up with this team and that's how you're in a roster spot on this team and for Nichushkin knowing that he's going to be a top six winger and is going to get more opportunities to score 20 25 goals maybe 45 maybe 50 points The speed is going to be the biggest thing that he needs to work on, and it looks like that's what he spent his summer doing from from first glance. Obviously, he hasn't spoken to media yet. Val doesn't like to speak to media. So hopefully we'll see him soon, and we can kind of test that theory to see if that's what he looks like. Yeah, you'd love to see
0: it head in that direction, too, because it'd do worlds for his confidence, right? I always thought that was one of his biggest issues, especially coming from Dallas. It really seemed like his confidence was beat down, and that's why he doesn't like to talk to media, right? He's got this superstitious idea in his head that, oh, if he talks to media, suddenly he's going to stop playing well. Again, I think that's a confidence thing, right? If he if he thinks yeah. some outside... He's in his own head. right? He's always in his own head. Some outside factor can have any sort of impact on his game, you know, I think that's just a, a lack of confidence right there. So if his confidence continues in the direction it has been the last three years we've seen, and if that Val version of Val Nachushkin is the version we're getting this season, then I'm very happy to see him on that second line.
1: Yes, absolutely. And right now he's just beating out the competition. Alex Newhook hasn't had, you know, any kind of a lights out training camp. Uh, Jost and Comfort look good, but they look good together. They're not looking They're not the kind of guys you want playing on your second line. Hell, second behind him is probably Sampo Ranta right now, which we'll talk about later when we get into that second game. But uh, right now, Val Nachushkin looks like the guy that should be on that second line, and he's proving it, and and Jared Bednar's decision is paying off so far. Yeah, again, let's see when he faces other NHLers and not just guys trying to make the cut.
0: Um But moving on, a guy we brought up a couple times, I think Jack Johnson also stood out in that first game. He actually played both games. Um, But, you know, I I mentioned how at training camp, I really liked how he's snapping the puck around. So maybe, as you said, he might be a little bit slow of foot, but he kind of compensates for the way he can pass that puck. So if he can speed his game up a little
1: bit, I I like the fit. Yeah, so do I. And the biggest thing is, I mean, I asked Jared if this was a direct reaction to the Devon Taves injury, which it wasn't when they gave him the PTO. But it kind of works out perfectly because you don't want Curtis McDermott playing in your top six, you know, consistently. Uh, Jacob McDonald's kind of the guy that I always thought would step in the first injury. But if you bring in a Jack Johnson, then suddenly, I mean, especially considering he's been playing games alongside Ryan Murray, which would be your third pair, it's very easy to say Jack Johnson's going to be on that opening night roster because Devontae's won't be.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not a terrible thing to think about, right? I know some Avs fans aren't exactly in love with the idea of Jack Johnson, but look back at, you know, the third pairing last year and Ryan Graves. I mean, how many minutes did they really get per game, especially in games that mattered?
1: Yeah, and and that's the thing. I mean, Jack Johnson, the crazy thing is we're talking about Jack right now and he hasn't even gotten a contract yet, but it looks like it's leaning towards there. Uh, I can't say the same about Artem and Isimov, and that's not based off any sources. I'm just going based off of the training camp that he's had in the preseason games and the showings he's shown. When you're on a PTO, you need to do enough and you're going to get chances. That's why Jack's played in both games so far. When you're on a PTO, you can't just come in and be average or normal or good. You need to stick out to the point where when two dudes like you and me and, you know, Patrick, on the, on the ones and twos are sitting here doing a podcast about it, you got to have something to talk about from his game. It can't just be, you know, he had a good game and let's move on and talk to the other guy. There has to be talking points to that, that are noticeable in his game, even if it's a veteran. And that's what you got to do on a PTO. That's what I've seen from Jack Johnson so far. That's what I've not seen from Artem and Isimov so far. So if you ask me right now, Jack is well on his way to getting a contract. Can't say the same about the other guy. I'm going to jump on the other boat on this one just because
0: of two different small factors here. Just trying to read between the lines and purely speculation, like you said. Jared Bednar mentioned how he likes the idea of having all these PTO guys on the— on the roster because he needs bodies. He doesn't have a taxi squad this year, and he's anticipating some injuries here and there, so he just wants to be shored up and make sure he's got people when he needs them most. Another thing I think Art- Artem Anisimov brings to the table, I like to call him Artie. I don't know if he goes by that or not, but Artie Anisimov goes, uh, brings to the table is face-offs, right? That's something that's plagued the avalanche for a long time, and that's one of his strengths. That's one thing he does really well. Granted, I haven't seen him perform too greatly
1: so far in the preseason at the faceoff dot but I mean it's crazy to think that that one season where Artemi Panarin came in as a rookie and it was Kane Panarin their centerman was Anisimov that was a pretty dang good line so he's kind of fallen off quite a bit the reason why I can see Artie getting uh now I'm calling him Artie the reason why I can see him getting a contract here is because you know to go back on what I just said a little bit ago is because he wants to be playing games and he's willing to play in the A. He's willing to play in the NHL. He's willing to be a healthy scratch. And the reason why is simply because he wants to make that Team Russia Olympic roster. Because when you look at the center depth for Team Russia, Evgeny Malkin's their top-line centerman. And then lines two, three, and four, according to the athletics projected roster, which is pretty close to what you're going to get just because they lack center depth, are second-line center Artem Anisimov. Third-line center, Vladislav Nemesnikov, and fourth-line center, Kamenev. A couple of former Avs there, Nemesnikov and Kamenev, and then Anisimov is a second-line center, and the opportunity is there because Evgeny Kuznetsov of the Capitals is still uh, dealing with a three-year ban from the Olympics for, I think it was some sort of doping incident a couple of years ago that got him banned. So if you're Anisimov, you're just like, give me a contract, let me play for the Eagles, let me play anywhere, let me just get some games in enough for Russia to allow me to play on this Olympic roster. So I could see him kind of at least getting a, a, an opportunity, even if he's willing to play in the A, just because he just needs to be playing hockey this year. So that I could see. And if that's the case, then he'll make league minimum. He'll get sent down. He'll go through waivers. I doubt anybody would pick him up unless they are in desperate need. And he'll be an Eagles forward until the Avalanche need a call up for a forward.
0: And before anybody jumps down my throat about the face-off comment I just made, I know analytically face-offs don't, make that big of a difference and don't matter that much. But Jared Bednar just strikes me as such a detail-oriented guy that he wants to shore that facet up of their game. So I know face-offs aren't the end-all be-all and you don't sign a player just because they're good at face-offs, but I think there's a, that's definitely a factor that plays in the uh, Anisimov idea.
1: In case you're wondering how detail-oriented Jared Bednar actually is, uh, look no further than the three or four minutes he talked about for why JT Comfort is going to be on the top power plate unit. And he spoke in length in a lot of detail about why Comfort is getting that first crack at the top PP unit because he's a right-hand shot and what a right-hand shot does to the top unit as compared to a lefty like Nazem Kadri in that bumper spot. And then he backed it up with facts like he was in seventh grade giving a presentation in front of the classroom. Here is what our power play percentage is with a right shot in that bumper spot Here's what our power play percentage is in the left, with a left shot at that bumper spot. It wasn't Kadri or Donskoy. It was the righty and the lefty, and that's why Comfort is getting – you get the point. Jared is very, very detail-oriented, and I can see face being one of those things that he looks at and why Anisimov is the one getting a look and not a winger. Absolutely. So I'm glad you're on board with me there, but we'll see what the fate of Anisimov ultimately ends up being.
0: But another guy that really stood out as strong, and he played both games as well, that's Oscar Olison, the newest draft pick of the Avalanche. And he actually scored the first goal of the preseason for the Avs and scored in game two. So two goals in two games, obviously can't hate that.
1: No, and he's he's scoring some laser shots. And both Oscar Olsson and Sampo Aranta are sticking out to me as these strong, fiery wingers that can score, that can fire a puck, that are probably going to be regular NHLers a lot sooner than we thought. And Jared Bednar, when speaking about uh, Oscar Olsson, actually mentioned, I can see why we drafted him where we did. And it's suddenly starting to come to light. And it just seems like the avalanche keep finding these gold mines of players. So suddenly, when you start to lose more forwards... Well, now you can replace them. We've already talked about new hooks stepping in, which we'll get to that later. But now you have Aranta. Now you have this guy. Now you have Shane Bowers, who's had a hell of a camp. Martin Kaut hasn't been as strong and actually left the get left practice today injured Sunday morning. But now you have all these guys that are stepping in. And Olsson is now going to be playing in the OHL with the Barry Colts, so he's going to be right up the road in in Canada. Well, not up the road, but not in Europe. And they're going to keep a close eye on him because suddenly this guy who's already under contract might be in the NHL a lot sooner than we thought. And he's shown in just two preseason games why he's a gamer.
0: Right. And you bring up a guy like Martin Kaut. It really seems like he's the odd man out of that group. Right. I mean, he definitely doesn't seem to be a guy that Jared Benner really loves in particular. And of that group, he's the least promising, I'd say, of those four guys you just named Ranta, Newhook, Oleson, Kaut.
1: Yeah. And Shane Bowers is, and it's funny that you just forgot to mention him because to me, he has been the forgotten man the entire summer and he's had a hell of a camp. If you ask me, he's been playing well. Uh, I think he's going to play 20 or 30 games this year because we know injuries happen. So instead of calling up TJ Tynan or Liam O'Brien, well, you can call up a Shane Bowers now, who's a former first rounder, who's got a little pep in his step and wants to make an impact in the NHL. So he's going to get an opportunity here soon. But Martin Cout, I don't think he's up there just yet. Maybe next season we're gonna be talking about Cout being the guy that sticks out. Maybe in January he's gonna be that guy light and get up with the Eagles and it's gonna get an opportunity. But right now it just seems like he's the odd man out. And then you
0: brought up France at the top of the show, how you just wanted to see him get some ice time, face some shots, right? That was good to see. You see him get out yeah. there, get his movement going, make sure he's not Uh, sore and the injuries aren't lingering and he's kind of shaking the rust off there. But you would have liked to see him make a few more saves, especially on that first shot of the game. But again, it's just about getting the reps in at this point. And hopefully by the time preseason ends, he's getting a full game in, no sweat, no problem. And he's performing the way we expect him to.
1: Yeah. And kind of similar to Darcy Kemper in that second game, which I guess we can just kind of jump to now. Uh, He didn't look the best. He didn't look the worst. He, I mean, you can argue that both of them look the worst in their performances, but they don't look the best, but it's it's just ultimately for goalies that you know are NHLers and gamers, it's just a matter of, you know, like you said, getting your reps in, making some saves, getting acclimated to game time. Uh, like Carey Price once said one preseason year where he was just a terrible goalie, he said to the crazy Montreal media, relax, it's just the preseason. And then I believe he went on to win the MVP that season, so... That's ultimately what it is. It's good to see Frankie out there making saves. It's good to see Darcy Kemper in that second game at on home ice. And uh, I guess let's just kind of get into that. Uh, Kemper wasn't strong. He surrendered three goals on 15 shots. And then in came Eustace in um, Hold on. Before you get to that. Let's pump let's the brakes there. Kemper. See, this is why I'm not the host. This is why you're the host, and you got to do the transition. So let's talk some Kemper. No, yeah, you transitioned
0: perfectly. I, I wanted to do the Fran conversation. Hey, too, I try. Transfer to Kemper smoothly. But, yeah, Kemper, I mean, yeah, he led in three goals, but two of them were on the penalty kill. Obviously, a lot of kinks being worked out on the penalty kill. I don't know if you can fault either the penalty kill or Kemper. I, I'm with you. He didn't look the strongest. You would have loved to see Kemper's debut as lights out and – the guy that we saw in that playoff series against the Coyotes but he really let up one goal and it was with a a much weaker team in front of him right you put this defensive structure when the abs are fully healthy and have the full roster in front of them it's going to be a much different story and same with the penalty kill too so I don't think there's too much we need to hang our hat on on the three goals but I'm with you his performance wasn't stellar
1: no absolutely not and ultimately, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and overreact about it. Uh, It's not concerning to me at all. What's concerning to me is if he still looks like this on October 13, because uh, I don't know if you have checked the schedule, but the guy that's going to be in the crease on the other side on October 13 is the guy that won the Vezina trophy. So Marc-Andre Fleury is going to go head to head with Darcy Kemper. And uh, you know it's going to be a very early battle there where Darcy, who I, I just finished writing an article about him that's going to go in the Mile High Sports Magazine, plug, uh, mid-August, sorry, mid-October, not mid-August, that was last month or two months ago, uh, mid-October ed- edition of the Mile High Sports Magazine. I wrote a story about Darcy Kemper and how when he was with the Coyotes, he was playing with house money. There wasn't really much of expectation of him no pressure no nothing well now he's in denver he's under a microscope he's expected to bring this team to glory he's got one year left on his contract and the avalanche gave up a lot for him so in 10 days the beginning of that trek is going to be going up against Marc-Andre Fleury who just won the Vezina trophy so if he looks bad on that day I'll be a little concerned right now I'm not there I guess that's, that's fair, and that's kind of the case with both Fran and
0: Kemper, right? Right now, no time to panic, but you got 10 days from now to be in your
1: tip-top shape and bring in your A-game. And there's, that's plenty of time, and you got four preseason games between now and then, and you know damn well Kemper's going to at least get a game and a half of those, so he's going to have plenty of time to get up to speed.
0: And that brings us to goalie number two of the second preseason game, which was at Ball Arena, and that's Eustace Ananen. He kind of did the same thing as Fransu's. He stepped in, let in a goal early, and you're thinking, oh, goodness, uh, you know what's Ananen doing? But then he was lights out, man. He made some big saves, especially with his blocker. He's got some great reflexes with that blocker, which tends to be kind of a weaker point for a lot of goalies. So I love what
1: I saw from Ananen that night. It's kind of crazy because as soon as he got into the game, he was shelled. He faced a lot of shots. He had nine shots against in his first six minutes before he surrendered the one and only goal he allowed during the game. And he ended the game with 19 saves on 20 shots against the Minnesota Wild team. Again, that had a lot of shots on him. So it's nice to see him making 20 saves in just 29 minutes or facing 20 shots in 29 minutes and only surrendering one goal, helping the Avalanche finish that game and win it in overtime or win it before overtime. Thank God, because the last thing I wanted that day was to spend extra time at Ball Arena covering a preseason game that's going to extra innings for whatever reason. So he looked pretty dang good. Uh, he's a nice kid his English has gotten a heck of a lot better he spoke with us today with the media following uh, practice on Sunday here at uh, family sports and he's got a lot of confidence and He's going to be playing a lot of minutes there in the AHL, and, and I'm excited to see it. Yeah,
0: I'm with you. I'm with you. You think he goes purely a- AHL? I think he might have a, a bit of time in Utah as well, which you'd hate to see. You really want him see getting the, the most quality shots he can I, face, right?
1: I don't think so. I think he's going to be 1A, 1B with Jonas Johansson. I, Hunter Miska, Peyton Jones, and Trent Miner, none of those guys are going to play valuable minutes ahead of either of Eustace Annan or... Jonas Johansson even, uh, because Johansson's going to be your third-string goalie that you need to call upon like last season if an injury comes to light, and Eustace is your future. Hell, if Eustace kills it, maybe he gets an opportunity over Johansson. The only way I see it happening is if the AHL game kind of screws Eustace up to the point where he's got to get sent down and really get his feet wet, get used to the North American ice a little bit more. But I'm hoping and, you know, not foreseeing that happening. But those are going to be your two goalies for the Eagles as long as they're both healthy.
0: Yeah, based off his performance in that second preseason game against Minnesota, I would say he's he's ready he for looks, the AHL.
1: He is ready. Yep, he's he's going to look fine there.
0: Uh, moving on, another guy. We already talked about him a bit, but he had a pretty nice goal in that game and tied it up 3-3 in the second period. That's Sampo Ranta. Like you said, he's just showing a lot of promise and, and maybe uh, further ahead than we expected him to be at this point in his career.
1: Alright, so I'm gonna give you my hot take of the training camp so far. There's been a, quite a few of them. Yo Jack Johnson, this, that, Kemper, whatever. My hot take for Sampo Ranta is he's playing opening night. And what that means is Alex Newhook is not. I think Ranta has done well enough to earn a spot on the opening night roster on that line with Jostin Comfer on the third line. Obviously, he'll play wing, not center like Newhook does. And I think Alex Newhook is going to start at center, probably on the first or second line with the Colorado Eagles. Ranta's just been the better player. He's scoring goals. He's got this big frame. He's got a lot of confidence, a heck of a shot. He trained with Miko Rantanen over the offseason. Rantanen talked about how Ranta is going to be a big part of this team. And the way Rantanen kind of worded his quote, he said um, it was something along the lines of uh, this guy's going to be a factor or more of a factor than you expect, kind of saying like, just so you guys know, we got another good goal scorer coming. And obviously it's his Finnish buddy, but this is a good player. He's got a good shot. He's uh he's got great size on him. He's a winger. He's defensively sound. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to be a defensive two-way forward, but he's not going to give up the puck defensively or offensively and and really cause a lot of turnovers. To me, Sampo Rantas playing opening night for the Avalanche and Alex Newhook is going to be with the Eagles unless something changes here in the next 4 games. But so far that's that's what it looks like to me. I, I'm with you with because we just haven't seen enough out of New Hook, and that goes all
0: the way back to the rookie camp, right? Remember me saying, and you that? mentioned that, yeah, you did. yeah, so uh, you know, I guess just from New Hook's standpoint, it's a little bit disappointing because he was already there, and now he's losing the spot, right? So what what's going wrong in New Hook's game? What does he have to do differently to kind of earn that spot back besides maybe just the simple idea of tallying some goals?
1: It it might be a confidence thing at this point. He looked fine last year in the six regular season games. He had that one assist on the JT Comfort goal against Vegas in that game for uh, seeding, the game where they beat Vegas 2-1. to one. Uh, He looked fine in the playoffs. He had a goal against the St. Louis Blues. It might just be a confidence thing. It might just be the fact that, you know, how rookies often go into sophomore slumps. Well, he's going into a sophomore slump while he's still technically eligible to be a freshman and <laughs> up for the Calder Trophy, but... It could just be that I'm not seeing anything that he's doing that's wrong. I just don't see him sticking out the way Ranta is. And that doesn't mean that New Hook is a bust. It just means I think Ranta has earned an opening night roster spot and and the one guy you're gonna take out is is New Hook. You're not gonna take out Jost or Comfer. You're not gonna take out Helm or O'Connor. Um Mikhail is another one who's probably Someone that if he doesn't play well, he could lose his opening night roster spot. But I, at this point, I think Maltsev makes more sense just because of games and how long he's been there and age than Alex Newhook. I mean, you can play Maltsev on the fourth line for seven or eight minutes and it's fine. But playing Newhook on the fourth line for seven or eight minutes just doesn't make sense right now. If he's not going to have a top nine role, if he's not going to be able to play 12, 13, 14 minutes, put him with the Eagles, let him play 20, let him dominate that league like a once 19-year-old Miko Rantanen did and bring him up when he's ready to roll. And
0: we know with Jared Bednar, too, it's all about effort, right? I mean, you give 100% effort all the time and then just take care of the role you're given. I think you you get opportunities. So maybe he's just overthinking things, the whole new structure to him. He's he's trying a little bit too hard to understand it and implement it into his game and do it right rather than just kind of letting instincts take over and hard work. So, you know, I think if, if he just kind of uh, lets go of his stick a little bit and, and just starts playing his game, he'll probably definitely see a good amount of avalanche
1: time this year yeah and i'm not too worried about it he's gonna play games injuries will happen new hook will be ready to rock i don't see him taking a massive step back where he's not called up at all uh i just don't think he'll be there on october 13th
0: fair enough fair enough um sticking with game two against minnesota avs won six four but we saw nazim kadri for the first time since his suspension and it only took him six minutes and 49 seconds to bury one how'd you like nazim kadri's performance
1: I I hold loose on the word Barry for a shot that was a bit of a knuckler from the blue line that went between the legs of Cam Talbot. But does
0: the scoreboard count goals or does it count good it, goals and bad goals?
1: Just counts no, goals. I, I agree. No, no, I, I I agree there. And what I liked about Kadri's performance, and we'll talk a little bit about the whole scuffle with Hartman that led to Landeskog losing his mind on Hartman. Kadri plays every game the way that Kadri knows how to play hockey. He's wired in a certain way. And it's what led to suspensions in the past. Um, but again, I'm going to plug the all high sports magazine. Again, I wrote a little bit of a story on Nazem Kadri that's going to be in there as well. And it was about the fact that Jared Bednar talked about how this suspension wasn't about Kadri being a bonehead and, and making dumb mistakes. And I think Bednar actually used the word dumb in his quote. It was about, he missed his tech by a couple inches. That's ultimately what it was that led to the suspension. This wasn't him losing his mind like it was in Toronto, but he's just wired in a certain way where he's going to have this ten- tenacity to his game each and every time he suits up, and he had it again today. We saw him going back and forth with Ryan Hartman. We saw the way he was hungry for the puck every single time playing on a line with Landis Gog and Comfer, and it says to me that we got our Nazem Kadri back. We got the guy that we know that the Avalanche can rely on, And I know I'm kind of overhyping one preseason game, but for a veteran who's 30 something years old and has been in the NHL for this long, it's, it's hard not to, it's hard not to say that this is who we know him to be. And I think he looked fine. He had an assist on that Olison goal as well, or maybe it was Ranta's goal. I forget, but he's ready to rock.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, he had four months to sit there and think about what happened, right? And all that really happens when you're suspended as a hockey player is you just can't wait to get out there and send a message, right? Make make it known like, hey, you want to suspend me? Well, I'm going to come out and play pissed off and I'm going to play my hardest and I'm going to play well and I'm going to show everybody why I'm a solid NHL player and not somebody that needs to be traded or you know not signed on at the end of the year. So he's got a big point to prove here this year especially with the contract coming up. So I think it's definitely in his best interest to play lights out all year and he's planning on it because he's just got that little extra bit of fire from the suspension. He doesn't want anything like that to happen again and he wants the world to see I'm I'm here to to produce, not to be a, a guy that gets suspended when my team needs me the most.
1: Yeah, and just an FYI, I uh, swing and a miss on Ranta and swing and a miss on Olsson. Kadri had an assist on both Eric Johnson goals, the empty netter and the other one.
0: (laughs) Which is the guy we're going to get into next, right? Another guy we haven't seen in a while since he got body slammed and his face slammed into the ice by Jordan Greenway. Um, What I really wanted to get into on EJ was just how much you're seeing him bring that concussion up and talk about how difficult it was for him at times, and he really kind of seemed to have lost faith that he was going to be back playing at 100% for a little while. Uh, Ultimately, he did recover. He's back wearing the tinted visor, but um, I don't know. I guess, what do you take out of the the EJ statements he's been saying a lot lately? Because it does seem like that ate at him for a while there, Uh, what, eight months ago, six months ago, whatever it was. He really kind of doubted himself for a little bit.
1: We're often reminded when we talk to players about these things, uh, number one, the human element behind a player, and uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later because there are some spicy stories going on Twitter right now. But on top of that, it's the fact that if you remember Sidney Crosby, he was hit in that game against the Capitals, the outdoor game, by Dave Steckel in 2011. And then he tried to come back. Well, he was hit two games before that, I think against the Lightning. And then it was Victor Hedman. And then he tried to come back for the outdoor game. He got hit by Steckle. That started the year and a half of concussion issues for Sidney Crosby. As hockey fans always said was, oh, the best player in the game is injured and he's out. And then he came back and he scored two goals and two assists against the Islanders in his first game in like 16 months. And we're like, yep, the best player in the NHL is back, just as we all expected. But then years later, when you talk to Crosby and the people that were around him, the media, the fans, the team, the doctors, everybody's like, just so you know, when Sidney Crosby was going through all that, he was this close to retiring. Like a young four year into his career who's already won a gold medal and a Stanley Cup or five years into his career, Sidney Crosby almost retired from the NHL because of these concussion issues. And you're often reminded how much players go through when they're when they're dealing with concussions. I mean, Eric Johnson's had a longer career. We spent the entire summer not talking about the human element of it, but we were talking about the hockey and business element, which is kind of a little bit, you know, screwed up, but it's, you know, it's the nature of the game of what we talk about. It's on ice performance. And what we were talking about mostly about Johnson was, yeah, he's lost a step. He's injury prone. He's older. He's got hard miles on his body. And what he's talking about is like, I'm fine, except for this concussion that screwed me up. But it looks like he's back. It looks like he's doing well. He scored a hell of a power play goal. Like that was a, I think I tweeted roof daddy. That was a hell of a shot that he scored in that game against Minnesota. He obviously added the empty netter. He looks good. He came out and spoke to the media alongside his uh, friend, Mr. Sam Gerrard. Those two guys are probably like the biggest BFFs in that locker room and I love it. He looks good. He looks like he's in good spirits, but he is often reflecting on that concussion and what he had to deal with. And it it says to me that that was a much tougher battle than any of us thought for him.
0: Well, yeah, and let's not forget that he was trying to battle his way back from injury when that happened, right? I mean, he hadn't played that many games up to that point, and then he just gets taken right back out. So from a confidence standpoint and just... I guess overall, you know, mental well-being, right? I mean, it's depressing it's to a get lot. injured. It's depressing to get yeah. injured and then it's depressing to come back and get taken right back out with a concussion because concussions you don't know when they're going to get when they're going to heal. A knee, you can say, "All right, you're in 6 weeks, you're going to be 90% and you'll be able to play again." With a concussion, it's up in the air. It could li- it could linger for years. So, um, you know, that had to be a tough battle that he he went through all season long just in internally right in his own mind just going back and forth like what what is going on with me
1: and what what sucks about all of that is the only reason why eric johnson was rushed back into the lineup because he was he was rushed and his first game back he had to play a little bit quicker if you remember is because the avalanche needed to clear cap space so they traded ian cole to minnesota which that's that's a name i haven't heard in a while ian cole played for the avalanche in january that's crazy it feels like it was forever ago and he was part of this team ian cole they had to trade him and because Greg Patteron couldn't get there in time, and the you know it was, it was COVID, and there was a lot of restrictions for how quick a player could get there, Eric Johnson had to step into the lineup a lot quicker. He only played four games, and the fourth one was that. So it it just sucks to see what he had to deal with. But again, it looks like he's in good spirits. It looks like he's ready to rock. He's got that tinted visor. As long as concussions. Don't screw with him. Moving forward, I think we might have the Eric Johnson that we're used to back, which is a guy that can play 20 minutes and be a valuable defenseman. I mean, he is in his low 30s after all. He's got a lot of hard miles on his body, but he could still be valuable. And that's what the Avalanche need.
0: Yeah, I think much like Kadri, he was out to play 100% because he wanted to get back into it, right? I saw him blocking shots. I saw him laying out. He was playing full Eric Johnson style hockey despite it being preseason. So Based off what I saw that night, I think he is back. I think we're going to see, you know, his mobility is, is continuing to drop, just like we've seen it and expected it to. But we're going to see the uh, 100% Eric Johnson, I think, to start the season.
1: Yeah, and what I liked about his performance in that game, and it, it kind of ties into Landis and Kadri So let's talk about that Ryan Hartman thing. Uh, Hartman hit Nazem Kadri uh, in front of the net while Kadri was trying to bury a rebound. And it came about a minute after Kulikov hit Kadri with a bit of a dangerous hit. And he had to kind of like chirp to the refs a little bit, like, where was my call there? And then he had that hit where Hartman hit him. So it was two hits in the same shift. And then Kadri came back and cross-checked Hartman in the back because the ref never called a penalty on him. So he went and cross-checked Hartman in the back and Hartman went down fast. He went down really fast, and that's what angered Landeskog. In my opinion, we we can't confirm this because we haven't spoken to frigging Landeskog since. But there's a little bit of uh, frustration there. Sorry, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so that's kind of what set off Landeskog, and Landeskog went at Hartman. Obviously, Kadri was there too. It was a whole lot of fire in both of those guys in a preseason game, and it's kind of like, yeah, that's what you want to see. But I I even asked Jared Bender after the game. I said is that the kind of stuff you want to see from two of your best forwards in a preseason game that ultimately doesn't matter? And Jared said, there's no passengers. There's no days off. You play the game that you're supposed to play. I don't want anybody cruising into the season. And yeah, he makes a good point. And the reason why I mentioned that story is because that's what I saw from EJ. That's the kind of game he played. Every single shift he was out there. I mean, you're not going to go in. If there's a 50-50 battle where you can potentially hurt yourself, you're not going to go into it knowing it's just the preseason. But you're not going to coast through the game. You're gonna play hard. You're gonna to play tough, and and that's what it looked like. He was really hungry. He had a fire to, you know, he had a fire under him that obviously there's a lot of motivation for him to play well, and he did exactly that.
0: Yeah, I mean, when two of your leaders are playing with that much passion in the preseason, I mean, I think you can you can, you can't feel anything but excited for what they're gonna bring in the regular season because I mean Landeskog was. Shocking, you know, because they were on the ice for a little while wrestling and then you saw them both get up and Landeskog was so angry that you thought maybe oh, maybe Hartman said something about his mama down while they were wrestling on the ice mm-hmm. or something. But no, that's just the passion that Landy was bringing to protect his teammate and just say we're not, we're not taking any shiz this year, right? We're, we're battling and we're going to be pissed off and angry because we have something to prove this year.
1: Yeah, and shout out to Gabe Landeskog for that because he just got paid and he's going to make $7 million over the next eight years. It's easy for him to you know, just take a step back and play a bit of a lighter game. Not only is he not doing that, he's not even doing that in the preseason. He's ready to go. The money isn't going to affect Landeskog's game. He's going to get paid. He's going to get paid a lot of money, and he's still going to be the same guy we're used to. And if that's what we're going to get out of Landeskog, he's damn well worth $7 million. So shout out to him. Love the game from Kadri. Loved the game from Eric Johnson. Love the game from Sam Gerrard, who scored as well. The veterans stepped up, and that's what you want to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, the refs didn't let them go, though, right? I mean, with how angrily they both tossed their gloves down, you thought it was going to be a hell of a fight, and then the refs didn't let it happen, which yeah. is fine. I'm okay with it. I
1: Yeah, so am I, and I learned something new uh, sitting with a couple of former refs up in the press box, Dave, uh, Dave Jackson and Brad Watson. They were both at the game up there, and uh, I learned something new. The reason why—did you notice that Hartman and Landeskog were given 10-minute misconducts? The reason why that was is apparently it is a rule that when the linesmen are holding you back and you try to break away from the linesmen and still go at the other guy, that's an automatic 10. I didn't know that. I think we all learned something there. Yeah, so if you think back to that game against the Blues where he and Braden Shen fought each other, the same exact thing happened. But what was different was— That was a playoff game. So the linesman said, screw it. Let me just go. The linesman let go of them. But if the linesman kept a hold of Landeskog and Braden Shen in that play early in that game, they would have both gotten 10s. But instead, they both got fives. Landeskog led a fire under the team, and the avalanche went on to sweep the Blues. So you learn something new every day, and that's what I learned during that game. Yeah, no,
0: you definitely noticed it too, right? I mean, you you see players try to wrestle away from refs, and refs usually let him go. Where these, this time, he was grabbing onto Gabe Landeskog so tight that Gabe Landeskog had to
1: stop and look at him and be like, what? Did you, did you see him swing around Ryan Hartman? Hartman was almost thrown to the floor. Yeah, he kind of like swung at him and Hartman was like ragdolled because he was trying so hard to go at Gabe. And I think the line been played that well. Like these are two veterans in the NHL. These are two guys that are going to play big minutes for their teams. There's no reason to let him fight in the game two of a preseason because, you know, the emotions got the best of them do it in the regular season. And we're going to see him in the regular season. And you know damn well, and Kadri, and everybody on the Avalanche are going to go after Hartman after that.
0: Absolutely. And it was a fun game despite it being preseason. I mean, a good comeback win for the Avs. They were down 4-3 heading into the third period and ended up winning 6-4. So great third period, fun crowd. There was energy in the building. And, you know, it was just a great chance to, uh, like I said at the top of the show, win some money on DraftKings because you kind of felt that the Avalanche were about to uh, win that game going into it. Even though Minnesota brought a pretty pretty hefty lineup we'll we'll get into the lineups coming up here tomorrow in minnesota in a second but first i gotta tell you about DraftKings sportsbook a little more the official sports betting partner of the nfl they have a week five offer every football fan should jump on now new customers can be can bet just one dollar on any nfl game and win a hundred in free bets if either team scores a point the last 0 tie in the NFL was in 1943. So I'd say this one is definitely a no-brainer. DraftKings customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. I love this feature. It took them a while to add it, but now they have it all over the board, and you can parlay multiple things within the same game, which is such, such a great way to win some money. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. So DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit, and you're and withdraw your cash whenever you want. It works a lot like Venmo. Just say, give me my money now, and it'll be there fast. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code MHS, bet just $1 on any NFL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's right, just one point. That's promo code MHS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL.
1: Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKing.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
0: Right, so uh, looking ahead, we've got, like I said, we're recording on Sunday. So chances are you're listening to this on Monday. So you've got Minnesota tonight in Minnesota, expecting a much better lineup out of the wild. Avalanche, I'm not really sure who they're sending. Has it been announced yet?
1: No, it hasn't been announced yet. And I'm I'm expecting it to be a uh, mostly AHL roster just to give them one more game and then maybe send them down. But that's completely a prediction. I mean, by the time people listen to this podcast, you'll probably know. But that's just my guess right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, the 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 big names don't want to travel in the preseason, right? So they're, they're trying their best to accommodate them while trying to get good looks at some of the guys that are bubble players. So it's a perfect storm during the preseason to kind of uh, just, just see weaker teams versus better teams, but it is what it is, and it doesn't really matter.
1: Yeah, uh, and the Minnesota Wild on their end, they're sending pretty much an entire NHL roster. The only name on here that I could see not being a starter for them opening night against whoever the hell they play. I don't know who they play opening night, but... Andrew Hammond's going to be the backup goalie with Capo Kakanen instead of Cam Talbot. That's literally the only difference because everybody else on this, you got Matt Boldy's in there. I think he's going to make the team this year. Uh, Joel Eriksson Ek, Marcus Foligno, Greenway, Fiala, Dumba, Rodine Kulikov, Zuccarello. Most importantly, Kirill caprizov Victor Rask, Jer Spurgeon. Like this is a full-blown—Ryan Hartman's going to be there again. This is a full-blown NHL lineup, it looks like, so— The Wild, obviously, the home team usually likes to pump up their roster a little bit just to get the fans excited, which is a cool thing to do. It's what the Avs did the other day and what they'll likely do against the Vegas Golden Knights on Tuesday at home. But obviously, neither rosters for the Avs, not Monday or Tuesday, have been released yet.
0: Yeah, so I guess. What are some things that you want to look for in the next two preseason games here? Obviously, like you said, we don't know the rosters exactly. So it's hard to say, oh, I want to see X from player Y. Um, but, you know, as a broad stroke, what do you
1: think you want to uh, keep an eye on? Let's get some players in there that we haven't seen yet. Let's get Andre Burakovsky some ice time. Let's get some more games for Darcy Kemper, which we'll probably see at home. Let's get uh, McKinnon on the ice, Miko Rantanen on the ice. We haven't seen them yet. I expect that'll happen on Tuesday. Uh, and I kind of want to see what we can get out of Artem and Isimov. Uh, we spoke a lot about him. I kind of want to see what he can do because that's a guy that, you know, you're rooting for him to get a contract because... If Anisimov plays good enough to play a contract, that means he's going to be helpful to the Avalanche at some point this season, and that's what you want. So let's see them get a game. I also kind of want to see Shane Bowers play more because I think he's had an excellent camp. I want to see Sampo Ranta some more. I want to see if Newhook can wake up over these next four games and really earn his roster spot because, like I said, they're still... 66% 66% of the preseason left for Newhook to prove his worth and and to be on that opening night roster so there's there's a ton of guys you want to look at again I don't care about the score I don't care about who wins or loses I care about individual performances and that's what I'll be looking for in every preseason game mm-hmm.
0: yep same with me I want the goalies to start looking like they're bringing their A game like I was saying you know Fran Kemper still have a way to go uh, before the season starts but you want to start showing glimpses of great goaltending so that way once the season starts you're firing on all cylinders because the goaltending is going to be huge this season and maybe my Very favorite part of the team
1: it. yeah and greg Wachinski spoke about it a lot when we had him on the podcast last week is darcy kemper you know is going to come in and it's going to have a lot of pressure on him but if he doesn't do well let's not forget about what he called What was it, Pavel Franchot? Let's not forget about Fransuz because that's a guy that's also going to be important to this team and someone that the Avalanche were sorely missing last year.
0: Yep, yep. Sticking with goalies and away from the Avalanche this time, Arif, we got to talk about the storm that's going on on Twitter from Robin Leonard. This is
1: away from hockey entirely. This is is a human element story, so let's get into it. Yeah, Yeah,
0: I mean, this is absolutely fascinating. Robin Leonard, I guess, you know, uh, what's the right way to put this? I mean, he's... um, Anon- not Not anonymously he's he
1: 's doing a little bit of investigative work, I guess is a good way to put it he's speaking out he's speaking out he's being open, and he's he's said in his tweets that the only way you 're going to see anything change is by speaking out, and the only people that can speak out and change things are current players and i'm happy i'm i 'm going to go through his tweets here in a moment just because if you haven't heard the story you 're probably confused right now, but I applaud him i mean I, I I think we need more players to speak out like this um I hope for his sake, and and I hate that I'm even saying this because it's such an old school hockey mentality, but I hope for his sake this doesn't affect his game on the ice because I want to see him succeed. I want to see Vegas be at their best because when the Avs and Vegas are both at their best, it's good hockey. But he's speaking out, and I, I absolutely am here for it.
0: Well, I think the biggest issue here, because obviously he's talking about how, uh, you know, teams are essentially giving away sleeping pills to players unprescribed just to help them sleep. And that's an issue, right? In hockey, when you play in a game until 10, 11 o'clock at night, the lights are bright. You know, hockey is such a game that stimulates your brain that afterwards it's so yeah. hard to go to sleep. You ask any hockey player from beer leagues to the pros after a game, it's hard to shut the brain off and go to bed. And then a lot of times the next morning they're expected to be up at, you know, seven in the morning and go to practice and be there bright and early and, and, and perform. Right. So um I think maybe that's kind of what needs to get examined here and maybe restructured is the way they have, they work their schedule because morning skates and early morning practices after Late games, and I think that's something we've actively seen Jared Bednar do a really good job of in the last couple of years, especially last year when they didn't really have much time to breathe. Is giving guys days off after after games and giving optional practice practices frequently. But I think that's the bigger issue here, more so than the 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 pill distribution.
1: Yeah, I mean, you and I are media members. We sit in the press box and watch hockey and eat gummy frickin' bears and M Ms and for us, it's hard to go home and go to sleep after a game. And we're not even feeling the adrenaline rush that these players are feeling. So it's it's a big problem. And this kind of stems, the reason why Leonard went on his tweet spree yesterday, being Saturday, is because of the Jack Eichel situation, which we talked about with Greg last week on the podcast. And um, Robin Leonard was backing up his former teammate, because obviously Leonard used to be in Buffalo, and talking about how the player should absolutely have the right to do what he wants to do because it is his body. And that kind of stemmed from there to Leonard speaking more and more about certain things. Um, and and he goes into it. So he says, I'm 100% an NHL fan. I love hockey and I want the NHL to be great. I'm not trying to destroy anything, but do what's right. It's time to walk away from the old ways and go into the new. Things have to change. I talk way too much and I still have 90% of my filter on. Don't take, Don't make me take it away. And I love that he said that. I don't know if you listened to him on the Spit and Chicklets podcast because that's kind of what they, they, uh, they asked him last week. They were like, you know, what made you want to start talking without a filter? He goes, I still have like 90% of my filter on everything that I'm speaking out about and I'm still not giving you the full story of what's happening. And that's kind of crazy. So he goes into his ankle. He shows a picture of his ankle and he says, they screwed my ankle talking about the Buffalo medical staff, big time, then surgery. And then bills, no care. I almost died. But a, after forcing leg presses after a few weeks, after a bad high ankle sprain in my first game, that is the foot after treatment later is my soul gone after a month after surgery. It's not all pretty. And I don't know if, you know, anybody else has pulled up Robin Leonard's Twitter with a picture of his ankle, but it looks like there's a softball right in there. And, uh, like he said, he was forcing leg presses a few weeks after this. He was playing on it, just not good. Good, not good. And he goes into it from there. He goes into the sleeping pills. Uh, the Ambien is a sleeping pill. It's funny that rehab told me that's why I didn't have REM sleep. Eight years, no, no REM sleep. Great, but yeah, just sleeping pills. He goes on and on, and then he says enough for today. Uh, so on and so forth. He talks actually. He does mention the Philly, the Philadelphia Flyers, and Elaine Vigneault. He kind of puts him under you know, he puts him under the microscope and says that a dinosaur coach treating people like robots and not humans fire these dinosaurs, fire Vigneault, first story, I got proof, try to shake your way out of this one. And then he says that he'll talk more about it tomorrow being Sunday, but I haven't seen him talk about it yet today. It's just a lot of stuff that having a player like Robin Leonard in the NHL, according to reports, he got a call from the NHL today. But having a player like that speak out can only be good for the game. And I understand, like I said earlier, this could distract him from his game. But you know what, man? I don't think that's going to happen. We didn't see him get affected by the flurry and Alan Walsh thing. Apparently him and Alice Walsh, are, Alan Walsh are good friends now, even though that tweet was sent out. But you want to see more of this. And I don't care what anybody says. You want to see more of this. You want to see people speaking out to try to change whatever the hell is going on behind the scenes with medical teams and hockey teams
0: that's the angle i was going to take is you'd like to see him have some teammates up there speaking out uh, on everything he speaks out on because he talks a lot right he's he's the first kind the guy that kind of led the charge on mental health conversations in the nhl but he kind of was the only one you didn't really have too many people stand next to him i mean look back at the hockey diversity alliance and what they did was that last year two years ago already um, when they grouped together, right, and you had six or seven of them teaming up and making their voices heard, and what was the reaction? The rest of the NHL got behind them and, and helped that message get sent with them. You need the same thing with Robin Leonard. You can't just have him being the only guy standing up and speaking out about this stuff. He, he's got to have some assistance. So, like you said, hopefully it's the the start of some change and some more people start speaking out about this problem because it's a terrible and huge problem in the NHL, and it's been for a while.
1: And there's a silly thing that happens when players speak out like this where the only time people are heard are when it's a good player. Think of the NFL, 2016. When Colin Kaepernick started to kneel, the only thing that everybody was talking about was, oh, he's a washed quarterback. He's got nothing to do in the NFL now, so he's going to kneel and you know try to turn the narrative and put himself in the spotlight and all this bull crap, which obviously wasn't the case, but that's the way they saw it. When you see Connor McDavid speak out about the penalties that weren't called against him in the playoffs last year, people applaud. Great. Finally, it's a good player. This isn't Curtis McDermott complaining about a penalty. This is Connor freaking McDavid complaining about a penalty. Maybe now there'll be change. That's why I want to see Robin Leonard succeed. I want to see him continue to be in that Vezina Trophy conversation, which obviously, you know, Fleury played better than him last year but I want to see him in that conversation. I want to see him continue to lead the charge for one of the better teams in the Western Conference because if Robin Leonard goes out and wins 35 40 games every season and continues to tweet shit like this, people are going to listen to him. As stupid as it sounds, if he starts to his game starts to get affected, they're going to say drop the Twitter, drop the phone, drop the internet. But if he continues to play well, people are going to start to listen.
0: Right. And same thing, like you're saying, if if some of the big names start to speak up alongside, then that message is going gonna, is gonna to get delivered a lot faster and a lot clearer. Yeah.
1: And I kind of want to go into, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Daniel Carcillo, former NHLer who, you know, obviously had a history of being one of the bigger pests in the NHL. But since leaving the NHL has spoken in length about why he, the game is not healthy and the game is not safe and he wouldn't want his kids to play hockey. Uh, he went on a little bit of a tweet, Twitter spree after the Robin Leonard tweets. And he said, happy to see some current NHL players sticking up for themselves. Obviously talking about Leonard NHLPA, where you at Robin Leonard and Jack Eichel's treatment by the Buffalo Savers is in no way an isolated incident. I'm sure you can dig up thousands of stories just like it. Some are worse. And then he goes into, I don't know if you remember Steve Monador, the former NHL defenseman that passed away a couple years ago or a few years ago now, who was Daniel Carcillo's best friend. He says – and this is an insane story. It puts the Chicago Blackhawks back under the microscope who obviously are dealing with the situations they're dealing with from earlier this summer. He says his name was Steve Monador. He was my best friend. He was cleared for 19 concussions in the NHL. He was cleared for four concussions in a span of 12 weeks while we played together on the Blackhawks. His 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th brain injury in just 571 NHL games. The Blackhawks couldn't get Steve cleared after his 19th concussion. They were trying everything to get him to feel good, enough to sign his fit to play, but were unsuccessful until he made a decision on his own to seek out another opinion and treatment option. So again, think of Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel went out and seeked his own second opinion away from team doctors. But here's where it gets crazy. Luckily, during the lockdown, he's referring to the 2013 lockout, Steve and I experienced recovery and some relief from our repetitive concussions by going to see a special man. So he decided to go again against the advice of the team and the management, that special man obviously being a doctor, that second opinion that he got. I remember sitting with him the night before he left. I was crying and talking about the possible repercussions from the team if he leaves without permission. It wasn't an easy decision, but Steve was strong enough to leave and seek out treatment that he knew had worked for him and for Sidney Crosby in 2011. And then he links a Sidney Crosby presser from that same concussion that I referenced earlier. He says, once he came back after two weeks of treatment, he was better. He was able to pass an unapproved, non-peer-reviewed exertion test that the Blackhawks implemented for all players to pass before returning to play. Once he did that, the team asked him to sign his fit to play. This is where you see the true colors of the organization and management running the Blackhawks. Within hours of signing his fit to play, Chicago sent Steve down to the AHL. He wasn't a black ace for the Stanley Cup run, which again, they did win the Stanley Cup. And he wasn't allowed to be around the team during that cup run in 2013. He was completely blackballed for seeking out treatment outside of the team's medical staff. Treatment that had gotten him better. Treatment that had gotten Crosby better. There's more to the story that I can't share because of litigation. He was a type of t- teammate and person that sacrificed himself for the good of the team and went out of his way to make you feel special. What the Hogs did to him, I will never forget. It crushed his spirit. It killed him. And then he goes on to talk about how he misses Steve monidor So this goes back to the very reason why we're having this discussion. It's the Jack Eichel situation. It goes back to what I said last week about having a very weird feeling about that Kevin Adams press conference. It wasn't that Jack Eichel wanted to get a secondary opinion. It wasn't that Jack Eichel wants to get a different surgery. And like I mentioned that Frank Saravalli said, if you're going to trade the guy, let him get whatever surgery he wants to, play a couple games, and then trade him. But no one's going to trade for him now. But all it comes back to for the Blackhawks is my way or the highway. Well, our way or the highway and not the Blackhawks, the Sabres, sorry. It's our way or it's the highway. If you're not going to do it our way, we're going to sit your ass at home. And the Buffalo Sabres are shooting themselves in the foot with one of the best players in the NHL, collecting a $10 million paycheck, sitting at home, living a very poor quality of life, not playing the game he loves in his mid-20s because they're so arrogant to let him do something outside of the way they want it. And it stems back to that Steve Monador story it's the exact same thing and this is the kind of crap that needs to be taken out of the game it's 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 unacceptable it's it's ridiculous that Jack Eichel is still sitting at home right now and it's ridiculous that you need to have somebody like Robin Leonard who's not even his teammate anymore speak out about it and I bet you anything Jack Eichel doesn't even want to see Robin Leonard tweet these kind of things and then Carcillo to come out and share a story that's similar to it that was very long but Go ahead. Take it from here. No, it was great.
0: Uh, I'm with you on it. I mean, I think the most interesting thing is going to see how the NHL responds, right? I want to hear what Bettman has to say about this because he has, to, he has to intervene. He has to start making changes happen and things need to be investigated and starting to be cleaned up because it's not healthy. It's not good. And the last thing you want is for the popularity of an already majority unpopular sport to die off. So um, obviously we love the game. We don't want to see the business go anywhere.
1: Yeah, and you're going to sit here with Buffalo, with Buffalo and Jack Eichel and just sit there and play chicken to see who flinches first. And it's not going to be the multimillion-dollar organization who is clearly rebuilding and tanking this season. It's going to be the player who's younger than me, younger than you, younger than Patrick, and is sitting at home with a poor quality of life who's eventually going to throw his hands up and be like, all right, fine, give me this damn surgery that I don't want so I can feel a little bit better, even though the surgery is not where he should be going with his with his health right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sad point. But, you know, I guess the good thing glass have full part about it is 20 years ago, the team is in full power and and holds all the cards now that players are starting to make some noise about it. And it's been an issue for a while. I think we are going to start to see some change.
1: Yeah. And I am I am absolutely rooting for robin leonard to continue to play well because i want to see the avalanche and golden knights play great hockey against each other but also because i want robin leonard to be relevant and in this stupid world if he continues to play well he will be relevant with these stories if he falls and falters in his game he will not be relevant and and i want nothing more than him to continue to be great at hockey yeah and i think it's a
0: a positive thing that change is coming so while it feels like a negative conversation here, I think we can wrap it up with a little bit of hope that this is going to spark some change, right?
1: I think so. I think this is the beginning of what we're hoping is going to probably be a long road to to to, to change, but we'll, we'll eventually get there, especially if, and I fully expect, Robin Leonard to continue to speak out. No matter how much the Golden Knights, not that they are, but if they try to sit him back down and say stop, or Gary Bettman or the PA, he's got a guaranteed contract now, he's going to speak. That being said, it's let's, you know,
0: turn the page a little bit here and get excited for the return of Mile High Sports, three stars of the week, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook.
1: Woo! It's been so long. We actually have hockey. I know. I'm so pumped. We have let's hockey.
0: So star number three. We're going to Oscar Olsson playing... Scoring two goals in his first two preseason games and just dropping the jaws of Avs fans everywhere. I think uh, everybody has high expectations for this guy. I think his ceiling's super high. So, very excited to see where his career goes.
1: Yep. And I think he's going to be in any chiller in no time. He's just another one of the very many Avalanche prospects that are just killing it right now. And I'm going to plug for the third time the Mile High Sports Magazine because the third story that I wrote on Top of Kemper and Kadri was a Farm Report story, and you better believe Oscar Oleson was up there as one of the best avalanche prospects that I wrote about, one of the better ones, and he's proved it here in the first two games.
0: Yep, so if you you want to buy a jersey that's going to last you a, a long time, I would say an Oscar Oleson would be a good investment, right? Yep. Uh, star number two, we got to go to our man, our friend of the show. Now we can say it officially. Greg Wyshynski. I mean, obviously so great for him to uh, jump on and join us. He's a busy guy and he gave us about 20, 25 good minutes of his time and long, throw answers. I-, I-, I said this to you after the podcast. I think he's such a pro because Ryan Bowling and I had him on the hockey show last season a couple times. And he just had a different kind of cadence to him now that he was on a podcast. I think he just knows And there's a switch in his brain. He says, okay, this is a radio show. I got to keep it brief. This is a podcast. I'm going to go long, in-depth, give every part of my opinion here. And he did such an awesome job. So, uh, of course, thanks, Greg Wyshynski, for joining Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast.
1: Absolutely. It was was great. He is an easy podcast lay. I still can't get over that. That was hilarious. But, uh, yeah, it was awesome to have him on the show. It was awesome to have him talk about it, uh, talk about the things he talked about in length because... You know, you and I were talking about keeping, keeping the conversation to 15 minutes max, but he made it hard to do that because he was giving us all the answers in such depth. The guy just loves to talk hockey. He loves to do this for a living, and and I applaud him for joining our Nothing podcast here out in Denver, Colorado. So shout out to Greg uh, The The point you mentioned about how he's different in a podcast compared to on the radio is awesome that's a skill that i don't have you and bolding had me on the show a couple times and yet to cut me off you're like erif shut up shut up shut up and it's really cool that greg is uh, he's just he's such a pro
0: what else is new Arif? just trying to hog the People mic Need right? to shut
1: up that's yeah, m- what i do
0: erif the mic hog that brings us to store uh, star number one man i am rusty on these stars studying my way through them but star number one we're going to jordan samuels thomas and for those who missed it That's the referee looking to become the first African-American referee in the NHL. And uh, I'll let you tell the story because I think, you know, your perspective on it is really what I guess stole my heart here with Jordan Samuels-Thomas.
1: See, you can't call me a mic hog if you're going to give me the mic here. So I will have to say one thing because this is something that I didn't word properly in my tweet. Jordan Samuels-Thomas is looking to become the first black full-time NHL ref. Because there has been a part-time one before, and uh, his name is Jay Sharers. He was a linesman. He was uh, he had play- He had you know over a thousand games of experience. But you know Dave Jackson, shout out to him, former NHL ref. He told me the story about how Jay sh- uh you know tried his hand in refing for about hundred games on a part-time basis. But Jordan Samuels Thomas is looking to become the first full-time black referee in NHL history. The reason why this story is cool. So he was drafted in the seventh round, the same year O'Reilly and Duchesne were drafted. He's 31 years old. He retired from pro hockey in 2020. And uh, he started writing for The Athletic because he's got a four-year college degree. And then he started refing in the AHL. And now he's trying to show his hand with some experience with preseason games in the NHL, which he won't get many regular season games, if at all. But the reason why this story is cool is because back in 2010, I ran into some guy at the Detroit airport. I remember I was 16 years old and I was going to drop off my mom. She was going somewhere. I was, yeah. I mean, I I was heavy till I was 21. I've just been this skinnier guy for the last seven years of my life. I was a pretty heavy kid. So I was dropping off my mom and it had to have been like 7 a.m. And, you know, this is the Detroit airport. And I see this guy walk by me holding an Atlanta Thrashers hockey bag. And automatically, you know, my nerd hockey brain that I've had since I was like 10 clicks right away. And I'm like, this is not a fan. This is a prospect. He had the sticks in his hand. He had the hockey bag, the hat, everything. So I walked up to him and I said, excuse me, sir, uh, are you an Atlanta Thrasher's player? He said, I'm a prospect. My name is Jordan Samuels Thomas. I said, oh my God, this is so cool. I had my mom take a picture and I've saved that picture for all these years. When I noticed that he was refing the game and I remembered who he was, I spent the entire second period digging through my laptop for that picture, and I found it. And that's why I didn't know what the hell was going on in that preseason game because I was busy looking for this picture, and I tweeted it out. Well, Dave Jackson got a hold of the picture and said, I'll take you down and meet him after the game. So I go down to the ref's room, which, by the way, media is not allowed in the official's room, but I didn't know this. Ignorance is bliss. I went over, and I looked at the security guy, and I said, hey, do you mind if I knock on this door? And he said, okay, go for it, which I don't think he was supposed to do that. But again, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I knocked on the door. Uh they said come in. I walked in as soon as I walked in all four of the officials were there. The two linesmen, the two refs, Dave Jackson was down there, Brad Watson, the two former refs. And uh they all go, "Hey, it's the guy from the picture." And uh and uh Jordan like gets up and, "What's up, man?" shakes my hand and, you know, he he uh gets ready to take a picture and one of the other linesmen, I forget who it was, looks at him and goes, Jordan, you better enjoy this moment because not a moment in your life as an NHL ref or media fans or anybody going to like you. So enjoy it while you can. So took a picture with him, got to talk to him for a little bit, tweeted about it, wrote the story. Hell of a dude, just a really nice guy. Crazy thing is even after the uh, taking the picture, I looked at them and I was like, I can leave now. And they're like, no, you can hang out. And they were talking about the game. This is where I learned about the Landeskog uh Thing, the 10-minute misconducts. I learned about a bunch of other things. They were just shooting the shit, talking about refing stuff. And I'm just sitting here like, this is, I've learned more in the 20 minutes I've been in this room than I have for hours trying to read an NHL rule book. Like it was just such quality information that again, media is not supposed to have access to. But I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was just like, hey, Dave Jackson said I can come down here. So I'm going to come down here. And I just knocked on the door and walked into an NHL official's room. Like it was a really cool story. Um, Shout out to Jordan Samuels Thomas. It's not about me. It's about him. And it's about the fact that he's trying to break barriers and be the first full-time black NHL ref. So he earns our first star today. I hope to see him refing uh, more avalanche games in the future.
0: Yeah. Awesome story for sure. Funny to kind of picture refs, you know, cause you see it in beer league all the time. The teams go to their respective locker rooms and you're just, Talking about the game, talking about what happened. Oh, man, that goofy guy, he cross-checked me in front of the net. He got a penalty. You know, you just reminisce about what happened and just break it down. And crazy to think that referees are no different. They sit there and kind of Literally. break it yeah. down from their perspective. So that's, that's a pretty cool thing to see.
1: They were. And they and they had the two veterans and Brad Watson and Dave Jackson. And they're talking with them, too. And they were talking about NHL rules. And they were, oh, no, this is how it is. No, this is how it is. And they were talking about, like, you know, offside. Not that there was any in the Avalanche game, but offside reviews and goalie interference reviews who gets the final call? Is it Toronto? Is it the room? Is it us? Like they were talking about a whole bunch of cool things that were just like, you know, nothing, nothing that I'm sharing. That's like inside feed that I shouldn't be sharing. It was just like refs talking about ref stuff. It was really cool.
0: (laughs) Right, and legendary refs at that, right? Dave Jackson, exactly. he ref for a long time. He's retired. A lot of respect around the NHL. So that, that's a pretty cool little moment that you'll probably never get again because now you know you can't be in that <laughs> locker room. They'll probably never let you in. They'll probably put an extra security guard there to say, hey, watch out for yeah. this guy.
1: Yeah, who's this guy and how did he manage to get in there? And I tweeted about it, and I'm sure NHL officials are looking at it going, who the hell is this guy and why did he take a picture with our ref? That's not supposed to happen.
0: Just don't give him a microphone because he won't let it down. Uh, <laughs> Um, Yeah, so that's about it. Good to see the three stars make a return to the show. Way to fill the last 10 minutes of the episode,
1: so we're dragging a little bit longer here. Good to see us get through this episode. We started recording about two hours ago, but we got through the technical difficulties. We got through the three stars. We got a nice podcast coming for you guys, our wonderful listeners. I didn't think we
0: were going to do it, but
1: yeah, I guess that's a good place to stop.
0: We'll be back here probably Wednesday night to break down the uh, next two preseason games here, kind of the same fashion we did this one probably won't have as much to talk about unless the Avs give us some good, um, you know, conversations to have with the with the uh, results of these two games. So I guess, yeah, great place to stop. Eric, any closing thoughts before we get out of here for the for this Sunday?
1: Lord knows I've talked enough, so I got nothing here. I'm excited to talk on Wednesday.
0: Absolutely. Uh, uh, of course, I got to remind you guys about my Avs refrigerator magnet calendars. They were going like hotcakes at training camp. Everybody's got one. So if you want one, you want to know when the Avs schedule uh, is and you want to keep it on your mic on your refrigerator, top of mind, shoot me a DM. I'll send you one. I love sending them to people. Everybody in the Avs media has one now. The
1: only thing that I look at more than this microphone that I love to talk into is my refrigerator. So shout out to you for the magnet. I've, I've got the schedule pretty much memorized at this point.
0: I love it. I love it. So thanks so much for hanging out with us. You know, we love you guys, every single listener. So feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Arif is often on Reddit. He likes to have conversations there. So we're here for you guys. So let's get excited about this af season together. Let's watch these next two uh, preseason games. And we'll be back to talk about them. So, of course, if you made it this far in the podcast, bless your heart. Hockey's for everyone, and we got you.